With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome. Welcome to another 8 o'clock edition of Bantering the Blue Shirts. In the red corner, weighing 4,400 pounds, it's Adam Herman. That's quite uh, overestimation, but I don't know. In the, what I say, the left corner or the red corner? You said red. I don't, I understand. I don't, I don't, I don't understand boxing. Although I, I will attempt to watch the McGregor-Mayweather fight because I think McGregor is going to win that fight and I'm curious. Really? I do. You sound um, like an expert on the subject. I, I just... Yeah, you do. I, I feel as though Mayweather has made a boxing career out of knowing how to not get hit. And I think Mayweather is essentially a weapon. I think the problem is going to be Mayweather is so used to using an entire half of his body that he's not permitted to use against Mayweather. McGregor. Or McGregor, right, that he's not permitted to use against Mayweather. But um, I I think if he just opens Mayweather up, it is going to be over relatively quickly. But that's that's my two cents on that. I don't know if either of you want to add anything. This is technically a Rangers podcast, so we should probably... Oh, we could talk about UFC and boxing and whatnot. Who cares? Um, I, lo- I love that it took you all of literally 10 seconds to get sidetracked. Like, you could not even introduce Mike without getting sidetracked. That's true. I didn't, I didn't introduce Mike at all, and he will now not be introduced. I've, because... gotten, u- I've gotten used to this by now. It's just kind of what we do. It's interesting. <sighs> Anywho, this show is I brought love to you. you. By the good folks at Patreon, who we are requesting, please pay money to make this show more ridiculous. Uh, Anthony Viola, John J. Porter, Dan Lynch, Eric Cohn, Daniel DeJam, Nat Bader, George Lippman, Guy from Montana, Andrew Grigo, John Reppy, Stink Fleeman, Trevor Kempner, Dan Carosi, Zachary Zetlin, Arch Williams, Alexander Thornton, Igor Zatlowski, Thomas Osa, and Michael Silvers. Thank you all for donating and That's allowing us to purchase. That's the best guy from Montana. It allows us to purchase microphones that we could talk like this. How amazing is this? Um, All the other guys from Montana, nothing. We have lots of things to talk about tonight, mainly prospect things. Adam did his, he is our Blue Shirt Panther prospect connoisseur who does his bi-yearly prospect rankings. And these summer rankings are much better than they've been in the past because it seems like the Rangers have an actual farm system. But before we talk about any of those, we need to talk about the very, very sad 
Yarmir Yager, who for whatever reason cannot get a job in the NHL is considering European offers. Um, I think most advanced stats metrics consider him a still a first-line player despite his, despite his speed, but I'm curious what your thoughts are on the magical Yarmir Yager. Uh, Mike, you can go first. Well, I know Adam has a lot to say about this, so I won't I won't get into too much detail. But uh, you know, Yogs is a tricky thing, especially I think for Rangers fans, because we naturally have a huge affinity for Yager because he was so instrumental in, you know, post lockout when the Rangers finally got their crap together, and uh, it was very weird watching him go to the KHL and weirder watching him play for the Devils and Flyers and all that. But uh, he's now reached this kind of status where he's everyone's favorite player. And the problem I think that he's facing, or at least I know it was one of the main reasons in Florida, um, they have the new coach there. Uh, His name escapes me at the moment. Um, I know he was a former defenseman and a tough guy, but I don't remember his name. I think Buffner, I think, I don't know, or Boderil. Um, But uh, he still puts up points, and he's still top power play unit caliber, but uh, he's not fast anymore. You know, he's going to be 46 years old in February. Uh, It is an interesting thing seeing Yager still out there, and uh, particularly Vanek. And obviously we saw Markov eventually sign in the KHL, but uh, it's we also saw Mike Fisher retire. I think we talked about that last podcast, but it's I think it's harder and harder for when you get this late in free agency for teams to keep their mind open about adding a guy like Yager because you know it's Yager's not going to want to sign a one-year, one million dollar contract. He's going to want to play, you know, either on a good team in a scoring role, even if that's the third line, or play a prominent role on a team that's, you know, not awful. I would like to think that there's room for him in the NHL somewhere. I know that a lot of people have kind of tried to find a home for him. Even, you know, a month ago or so, I wrote an article about potential landing spots for him, and, you know, I talked about, You know, Nashville would be a fun fit and, you know, Vegas makes all the sense in the world or going back to Pittsburgh. But, you know, this late in the offseason, there's a lot of questions of cap space and where the heck he fits. Um, I hope he signs somewhere. But there is, of course, the option of he goes to play in the Czech League and then he just, you know, keeps his phone on him in case the team gets an injury in the top six and they need a replacement. Yeah, I honestly would not hate it, Ranger Sandiager, and not because he fills a particular need on the team, but even at this advanced age, yeah, he's not the player he once was, and the player he once was was, you know, at worst the top ten player in NHL history. Uh, you know, I would argue top five, um, at least among mm. forwards. So he's not the same player, no, but no, very few players in the NHL right now are the same player he once was. So he's still, you know, even for him, a fall, a fall drop in, in production or whatever is still, you know, second line ability. That's still, you know, a quality player. Um, and I, 
do I think he fills a massive need for the Rangers? No, but he's just that good that, like, if you can grab him for one year, the Rangers have cap space, especially if they move Nick Holden. They have the cap space to sign him. You know, why, yeah. why not say to him and, like, say to him, like, look, like, we're going on the honor system here. Like, if this isn't working out midway through the year, like, like, this is the only condition in which we're going to sign you is that, like, if this doesn't work out, like, midway through the year, like, you'll accept it back to Europe so that we can resolve ourselves with this situation. And I think, you know, if you're Yager, compared to what else is going on, like, I think he would take that, a return to New York, a chance to play for a contender. And if you trust in your abilities, which I think he does, then it's a, you know, what does it matter? So I think for the Rangers, why, you know, why, why not? Uh, they have cap space sitting there. You know, unless the center, you know, falls right into their lap, and yeah, fine, yeah. fair enough. But if that if that's not happening, like you don't get bonus points in the standings for having free cap space, you might as well use it. Um, and so I don't see why it would be a terrible idea to give him a year with you know with Miller to center, and you know play Auger on the wing. Um, Adam, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Um, like, do you have – because on paper, I, I definitely don't hate the idea of Yager on the third line. I mean, a couple of podcasts ago, I was talking about how much I wanted Vanek in that in that spot. But, you know, I think in many ways, Yager will come much cheaper. Uh, but do you have any concerns about the issue of, like, team speed and the fact that Yager might take away from that? Or is that kind of balanced out just by – what you think he can do in terms of just the power play presence and just, you know, like his ability to hold on to the puck, even at this age is just unbelievable. And if you put him with a couple of gophers like Miller and, you know, guys who can skate around and hustle for pucks, it, it should work out. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't, you know, his skating is not great anymore, but you know, it's not like this guy is struggling to get up and down the ice, you know? Yeah. Uh, the Panther, Panthers played a pretty up-tempo style last year, and he was one of their better players. Um, so, no, is he going to be the fastest player on the team? No, but, you know, I think you look at a lot of the players the Rangers do have, especially now with the defense, as quick as it is, you know, I don't think – I think the positives outweigh the negatives there. I think you got a guy who, you know, can score goals, can pass the puck really well, uh, would be a good voice in the locker room uh, and puts up really strong possession numbers. Um, I, I, am I going to deny all that just because he's not super quick anymore? No. I think the Rangers have enough speed on the wings and on defense that you can, you can deal with that. And I think it was kind of the same thing when the Rangers had Marty St. Louis, right? Like, end of his career, yeah. he uh, wasn't exactly you know fastest guy anymore, but he had decent enough speed. Uh, and, you know, the Rangers didn't need him to be the guy, you know, that he once was. It was just kind of another cog, you know, another, another piece in the cog. And so, you know, if you play Yager, uh, you know, you limit his minutes, you play him on the third line, give him power play time, uh, you know, you can rest him on back-to-back even maybe. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think it's a concern. I think, I think could something go wrong? Yeah, something can go wrong with any player. You know, so in terms of risk reward, I, I think why not? Why not take the chance? I'm almost of the mind that if the Rangers, so we've, I guess maybe not discussed at length, but discussed 
the potential of moving Miller to center is something that the Rangers, like a road the Rangers may need to go down because ultimately they don't have a ton of center depth and people don't know if Desjardins is going to be a, a good enough third line center. But I am almost absolutely okay with moving Miller to center if Yager is on his wing, because as much as Yager's speed might be beneficial there, you are getting a player who's good in the possession game and a player who can make things happen. If we're going to move Miller off of his comfort zone, and I wrote an article this week about the Rangers' current center situation, and with losing Stepan's 55 points worth of offense, it does not make a ton of sense to take Miller who was one of the Rangers' more consistent forwards in, in terms of the regular season, and move him out of his sweet spot and out of his comfort zone because he gave you 56 points last year. But I would be willing to do it if you had a guy like Yager on his wing who can, for the most part, help him do what he needs to do and give him a little bit more stability than he would have maybe with some of the other wingers that the New York Rangers have. It's a total reversal of where the Rangers were at this point last year where we had no questions about the forwards, maybe outside of the way that they were going to be utilized, but we had a ton of questions about the defense. Now it's, it's the exact reverse. So I don't think it's the worst idea in the world. Uh, I think Yager might have a little bit of an issue with the up-tempo system that um, Vigneault uses and the Rangers like, but ultimately the speed, if the speed is coming from other wingers, that would help a lot. If you have Miller and Grabner with Yager, I don't think that's a line that other teams are, A, not going to be able to take seriously, and B, I don't think you're going to be overly worried about Yager because by the time Grabner breaks into the zone or by the time Miller does what he does, Yager's going to have time to come in and do what he needs to do. So I I think if the Rangers really – and like Adam said, and and we've talked about this before – just because you have cap space doesn't mean you need to use it. And I'm a firm believer in that. I'm a firm believer in having flexibility as you go through the season, but a one year deal for a guy like Yager that carries no risk. That's not the same thing as saying, Oh, I guess we'll give, you know, Vanek a three-year deal, or I guess we'll give Winnick a three-year deal or whatever, whatever type of, maybe you make a trade for a guy who has a few years left on his contract. So um, I think there are, there are differences there. I would not be opposed to the Rangers doing, something like that. Uh, Adam, you had a thought? Yeah, it's just, you know, it's interesting, like, the concern with Yager's speed, like, how many forwards are there in the NHL who can't skate, you know, anyway, right? And teams are happy to just stock their third lines with these guys, you know, like, big guys who block shots and, you know, check and whatever, and, like, that's fine. Like, you can sacrifice speed there, but, you know, it's a concern if one of the greatest offensive players in the history of hockey know isn't so quick anymore that's that's where we draw the line it's just you know I, I, it just doesn't make sense to me that you would you know draw the line there with Yager he, you know, great players like him you know we saw it with Messier we saw it with Martin St. Louis you know plenty of others once the legs go they can compensate for it with their ability to think the game through and he's one of the best that there ever was in that in that respect Mike you had a question I, I think that yeah, I think that's a great point, Adam. It's, I think it's one. It, there's definitely something to be said about the case of optics and the perception of, you know, he'll be 46 in February. He's not skating past people, but I don't think he's ever really had to do that to be an effective player. I think what makes it interesting for the Rangers is 
that third line last season was really defined by its, but that doesn't mean, you know, it, it can't be defined by something else and still be successful or even more successful, um, especially in terms of possession. But the question I actually had to pose to both of you is, you know, if we do see Yager eventually sign in the NHL, do you think it'll just be, you know, it's almost certainly going to be another just, you know, a one-year deal um, just because I think it's kind of, he's just punching his ticket year by year now at this point. But, uh, you know, where do you think the cap hit or the average annual value will, will come in on that contract? Is he, you know, worth like $3 million in terms of, you know, pushing the limits of what the Rangers have in cap space, or is, or do you think he could be had for less? Yeah, so uh, this, I don't know. I think but, uh, uh, three three million sounds about right, but I think you can also, you know, use performance bonuses. Uh, the downside yeah. of that is that if he hits those, you know, then um, it counts against next year's cap. Those bonuses carry over and hit hit next year's cap, but. You know, if you're saying to Yager, like, look, we'll pay you $2 million up front, and then here's a million and a half, $2 million bonuses, and, like, go out and earn them, I don't think he can complain because if he's worth the money, then he's going to earn it anyway. And if he's not, then he's not worth it. And he's not worth it. Um, so I, I think you kind of hit it that way. And from the range, you know, if you're a Rangers or, or any other team, right, maybe maybe not a team like Chicago that that desperate for the cap base or whatever, but almost any other team, you say, like, look, like, if we have these, this cap hit carrying over to next year, then, like, it's a good thing because it means that, you know, this player we signed hit, hit the goal that we wanted him to hit, you know, so that, that's a good thing. Um, mm. So, I, I think, I think yeah, I think with the right fit, he'll sign for, um, you know, three million, maybe, maybe four the top because I don't think he, at this point, I think I don't think a few hundred thousand or whatever, especially once you factor in taxes and such, I don't think a few hundred thousand is going to be the difference between him you know, playing in the NHL and then or, or not. I think he wants to play in the NHL and just the right fit he's going to do with it. Yeah, that yeah, makes and, sense to me. And I'm not sure. It kind of depends on the... Um, it kind of depends on the way that he's signed, I guess, if that makes sense. Um because if you, like Adam said, you can sign him to a one-year deal with, you know, performance uh, bonuses, or you could sign him to a deal where it's like this bargain bin. If he just wants to play in the NHL, let's do it. And Mike, I think you brought up a really good point that Vegas not being in on him is kind of insane um, because you'd mm-hmm. think that they would. Ticket sales. You, well, ticket sales, but you'd also, you just want the veteran presence. You, you just want the opportunity to, to sure. have a guy like that in the locker room for all the youth that that team has. And um, t- ticket sales is a big one too. Honestly, you, you, you need what at this Action. point in the game, I don't think there's a bigger star out there in terms of longevity than Yarmir Yager. I mean, yeah, you have your Crosby's, you have your Ovechkin's, you have genuinely dominant players in the NHL, but Yarmir Yager is a guy that, not that they don't know about Ovechkin and Crosby, but he's so damn likable. There's very few people who don't like Yarmir Yager. And I think a lot of people would watch him be the face of Vegas. Now, does he want to go to Vegas? Who knows? It looks like he is sitting around for an NHL option, but um, I don't know. I, I really don't, but I, I would love to see him stay in the NHL. I mean, it is miraculous to think about his career. You're talking about a guy who, 
has spent so much time in the NHL. He's, he's been, he spent three years after his time with the Rangers in the KHL too. And now he's back again since 2011. It's just an insane, insane amount of, of hockey for a guy who's 46 years old. He has 1,999 points. points. Yeah. I was just going to say he had 99 points in the season that the Rangers won their last cup. And that was his, what was that? That was his fourth season in the league to give you an idea of how long this guy's been around. Yeah. I was born in 1988. He was in the NHL two years later. It's ridiculous. It's not really. And if you look at his, <laughs> like, if he, if, I don't know if he would hit it this year. I almost bet he wouldn't. But if he plays two more years in the NHL, he's going to reach 2,000 points. It, yep. It's, I, you can't even fathom. You, you really can't. Um. Yeah, well, that's more time than I thought we were going to spend on Yager, but God damn it, the man deserves it. He really does. He should have an initial job. I think, it's, I think it's ridiculous that he doesn't. Uh, it's absolutely um, – it's a joke. Now we turn things over to Adam, who did things like prospect stuff. Uh, I guess we have, a couple, we have a couple of questions we want to throw at you, but um, is there anything you want to say about the – the prospect rankings that you did or any thoughts that you want to talk about since you're kind of the, the ringleader on this one? Uh, I don't know. I wrote 25,000 words. I was kind of hoping that would, would be enough, but uh, I don't know. I do think um, I do have a, a Okay, wait a minute. I I, I'm sorry. I, yeah. I, need to, I need to interrupt you for a minute. Uh, so I, I'm on Yager's stats just because I was looking up, trying to look up how many points he had. <laughs> And I, I wish I knew, and I'm going to research the why this is the case, but he played a game for the, the like third-tier Germany mm. League. Yeah. And, and he had a goal and 10 assists in the game. Yep. I, I, I know uh, during the lockout crazy. year. No, yeah, I don't. During the I don't was it during the lockout year? Lockout. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that, yeah, that was the lockout oh, you're, year. You're right. You're right. Oh my God! What a game! You know what's most impressive about that? It, it wasn't even him scoring. It was him so good that he made other players good because he had ten assists. Yeah, right. He had one yeah, goal. Yeah, he must have just been having assists. a ball. <laughs> oh my God! That, I, I would I would pay money to to get a tape to get my hands on a tape of that game. Oh my God! Berg. All right, I'm sorry, Alex. You you wrote lots of words and yeah. you hoped that that would be all. And then Joe interrupted you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I I will say I I do still have the mailbag and that I need to finish up and publish. I said I was going to do that earlier, but in typical me fashion, uh, got delayed by just life and whatever. So I'm yeah, still course. going to publish that. So look out for for that. Um. But otherwise, I think, um, you know, I was kind of looking at the Rangers after I finished it. I was kind of looking at the Rangers system uh, compared to the rest of the NHL because I think a lot of people want to know ultimately where do they stack up against everyone else. And my answer is that it's better than I thought it was, but still not great. Um, I I think they're right around maybe if you're ranking all NHL teams in terms of the prospect pool, I would put the Rangers around. 20th, maybe, 29th, and it was somewhere between like 19 and 22, um, which isn't great, but 
you have to start somewhere. And I would have put them, you know, maybe 29th last year, 28th at absolute best, and that would that would be an, an argument. So to jump up that much without even, you know, usually if a team's jumping up like that, it's because they sold off a bunch of assets at the trade line, a trade deadline, you know, had a bunch of draft picks, you know, because they're kind of rebuilding. The Rangers are rebuilding on the fly. So to make that kind of jump in the prospect pool, and they did it purely through signing free agents and, you know, a trade that effectively resulted in what was really kind of just real lot in cap space. You know, Derek Stepan, that wasn't a trade. That was a sell. That was just uh, restructuring. Um, so to, to completely redefine the look of the prospect pool like that and jump up above so many teams without even – you know, really sacrificing much in terms of the team standing. I think that's a pretty remarkable job. All right. So I guess I'll, I'll start with my first question because I imagine that it's just going to be me being really annoying and asking you because mm. I know you've just poured hours and hour into this uh, or hour and, hours and hours, I should say. Hours um, and a single hour. You know <laughs> – like butter hours and then one Joe. final single hour into it, which you is probably often accurate. I, I make mistakes compared to you. Often? I almost called you a whore, but I didn't. Uh, well, now you so, pretty much have at this point. Yeah. Well, you know, that's not true. That's not at all true. Um, my, my, I think it's an interesting question that I think a lot of just kind of casual and not casual fans uh, would be curious about who do you think was the biggest or like the, the college free agent signing in the past calendar year who has that highest ceiling is the guy that fans should be the most excited about and keeping an eye on. Uh, yeah, it's probably uh defenseman Neil Pionk. Um, yeah. Because this is a guy, um, he's a kind of pro like, the kind of prospect like you look back at in hindsight and you say like this guy should have been drafted. Um, he put up tremendous numbers in the USHL, um, and I believe he was defenseman of the year in 2014-2015. Um, you know, but teams were kind of he's playing at a you know USHL isn't exactly highest level. It's not the CHL, um, or mm. it's not you know in Europe against men. And he was you know undersized at the time, but uh, you know I always whenever that comes up like the easiest thing for anyone to improve on any athlete is getting bigger. Like, um, you know, like you can teach someone how to lift weight. You can't teach someone, you know, how to, you know, dangle through three guys or whatever. Um, <clears throat> so I think the Rangers, you know, you look at a lot of college free agent signings and usually, um, you know, they're guys that you're kind of just taking a flyer on because, like, you have the room for sign, you have the room on the roster, and, you know, you might as well just take a chance. But with Pionk, I think it's a little bit more than that. I think the Rangers kind of, you know, landed a legitimate um, legitimate serious prospect. And, and um, you know, the Rangers, they're going to – they keep saying, you know, they want him to compete for a spot in training camp. We'll see. But um, – Long term, this is a guy who could become a you know a legitimate second pairing defenseman who plays a two way game. Who um, you know he doesn't have a monster shot or anything, but you know he's just kind of got like all the tools offensively. He can pass the puck, he can finish scoring chances, he reads play as well. Um, so I, I think that's definitely you know 
the one guy that, you know, the Rangers really kind of, um, I don't want to say got away with because they, they had to put the work in and it was a legitimate um, signing. But the one guy that kind of they were super fortunate, you know, was there for them at, for the taking at a time where they really needed that kind of pro- prospect. Mm. It's funny, too, because the Rangers really plied their trade in terms of, I guess, stocking the, the cupboard with prospects through the college game. You think about Hayes, you think about VC, you think about uh, Pionk right now as, as players that the Rangers have kind of focused on because when they did not have a first-round draft pick for four years, it was really you're, you're, you're grabbing at straws because you're trying to get anything that you can in, in, in the system. And uh, I think the Rangers – have done a really good job. I think they've taken some interesting flyers, which we've Adam kind of talked about a little bit. Like Chappie is a really weird one. Um, guys who are on maybe the first or second story that Adam released because it's in chronological order, of course. But the reality of the situation is this is something the Rangers have become very, very good at. And I'm sure Chris Drury has done nothing more than aid this process. And you can see some of the mm-hmm. players that the Rangers are bringing in right now. And, um, Kerfoot, we have we have to wait till when Adam for for him to to make a decision. Um, for Alex Kerfoot and Will um, Will Butcher, where you know the two guys, Kerfoot, the devil center who played at Harvard, and Will Butcher, um, I believe it was University of Colorado was a uh, was a Colorado draft pick, the Avalanche draft pick. Both of them look to become like they're going to become free agents, uh, and I believe the date that they can sign with any team is August. 15th, I want to say, somewhere around in the next, you know, week or so. Um, yeah, I think that's right. And, yeah, and so in the case of Butcher, you know, I get a lot of you know, point questions about, like, you know, why why would the Rangers sign him? Like, look how many defensemen they have now. Like, that's not a need. Like, uh, you know, so what? Like, if you have five TVs in your house and you don't need room for another one, but someone offers you a really nice TV, you know, for free, like, and you have room for it, like, why not take it? You know, you can store it in your garage or whatever, but, you know, there's a free asset out there. This is a guy who could become a legitimate top-pairing defenseman. Um, you know, like, worry about it, worry about it later. Just add, add, the, add the, you know, add the player for free. You know, it doesn't cost the team anything except, uh, you know, James Dolan's money, which I don't think he's, you know, unhappy to spend on a player like that. Um, you know, so, you know, add as many assets as you can. Worry about it later. Um, in regards to Kerfoot, um, you know, I think that's someone I don't think like VC and Hayes, I don't think he's someone you can pencil in to, to a lineup spot, but I think you can mm. sign him and you can say, look, like here's, here you are, here's Leah Anderson, here's, uh, Evans. like you three duke it out for, you know, fourth line center, um, maybe third line center, you know, bottom six center spot. Um, but Again, like just you know, it, it, all of the prospects. If you really just like think about it, is just a lot like they're gambles, right? And so you're making bets, and the more chips you have, the more likely you are to succeed. So add as many as you can, and just you know, worry later about how it works out and what you do with surpluses. Um, so I think there's no reason the Rangers shouldn't be in in the mix for for both. Uh, yeah, you brought up Nieves. Um, I think he's a guy that a lot of Rangers fans are curious about because we did get to see a little bit of him. And then, you know, he had the injuries and everything. And, you know, before that, 
you know, he's a second round pick. And I think in your, it's one of the most interesting things about your, your prospect rankings is the amount of guys who are those college free agents or are, you know, mostly out of necessity because the Rangers traded so many firsts and seconds over the years. You know, I think after, after Keitel and uh, Anderson, I think the highest pick who's highest on your list is Shostorkin and, you know, he's a fourth, mm. but you know, Nieves is a guy who's, you know, he's not a kid anymore. I think, what is he? 23 now. Yeah. Um, and, yeah and this is, you kind of get the feeling that he's approaching that, that he kind of, it's kind of, it might seem unfair considering the injuries and the fact that, you know, he was playing college hockey in, you know, 2015, 16, but he, it's kind of like, you know, it's, it's time for the Rangers to see what, you know, what they spent a second round pick on. Do you feel that's, do you feel that's about right? Or do you think the organization should be a little more patient with him? No, it, it sounds about right. And, you know, it, it's just, it's a bit frustrating watching him because like, if you just, if you just took individual clips of him and then, or, or, if you just kind of did drills yeah. uh, to evaluate him, you'd be like, this guy is like pretty special. Like this is a guy who can skate really well. He's very strong. He passes the puck well. He defends well, but just like for whatever reason, it just hasn't, you know, manifested into, you know, a complete hockey player yet. And I don't know if it's just he's had a bad stroke of luck with injury. I don't know if it's the fact that, you know, the situation in Hartford was just not conducive to development I don't know how much of it is mental. He definitely had some uh, mental struggles when he was at University of Michigan to the point that the Rangers sent um, Adam Graves out there to say to him, like, look, like, yeah, you're having a bad run of luck right now, but, you know, stop feeling sorry for yourself and get it together. And he he did start to get it together uh, after that. So, you know, I don't know how much of it is that or what. um, But, um, you know, what's interesting is that I think for some players, they can go through a, a crisis of identity. Um, you know, if you look at, look at Brian Boyle. Um, now, Brian Boyle put up much better numbers in college and in the AHL, but he really struggled to find himself in Los Angeles. And then if you remember his first season with the Rangers way back when, he was pedestrian at best. You know, it, it took him a while to really find himself as a player and to take his tools and and, and, and you know, combine them all into a polished product and find his role and what kind of player he would be in the NHL. So, yeah, didn't the Kings you know, play him as a D in one season in the AHL or something? Uh, they might have. I'm not sure. Like he, I know he, yeah, there's played, something you know, he played that. some defense. He played some defense in high school and I think a bit in college also. But yeah. you know, I think they really drafted they really drafted Boyle to just like be this big, you know, like awesome power forward, you know, like top six center. Um and and he just didn't, wasn't he couldn't be that and he kept trying to be that and it just no it was he needed that change of scenery to the Rangers where you know being 26 overall pick wasn't hanging wasn't you know hanging over him it was just he's just another guy trying to win a spot in the NHL and you know, I think that you know in the, in the change and whatever else you know was a big reason why he was able to find himself as a really good fourth line center in the NHL. Um, so yeah. you look at a guy like Nieves, it's the same, you know, not quite the same, but a bit similar where you say, this is a guy who has a lot of tools, you know, and he's shown us at times that he can use them very well. 
why hasn't it come together yet? And, you know, maybe it, maybe it never will. You know, sometimes that just kind of happens. But um, the good news for him, as I wrote, is that he could not be coming into a better situation um, in terms of, like, unless the Rangers do something that's off the board in the next, you know, month or so, like, there's going to be a center spot available to, uh, for the taking. And his competition is uh, an 18-year-old who's just drafted, um, and, yeah. you know, maybe the idea of moving JT Miller to center, which the Rangers uh, you know, don't want to do if they can help it. So, uh, you know, it, the good news for him is that he's not going to be buried. If, if he earns a job, he's going to earn a job. If, he's, if he shows he can play the, the role, you know, there's a role for him. So um, mm. this is definitely, I think, the major break here. Well, the, to kind of build on the idea of, like, the second-round pick, I – specifically wanted to ask you, Joe, uh, because I know you have some strong feelings about, I think he's a prospect that has gotten lost a lot for a lot of Rangers fans, which is Ryan Gropp, who the Rangers took in round two in 2015. Uh, You know, he's coming off of his most productive year in the WHL, just had 84 points in 66 games. But I know that you in particular have, you know, a strong opinion about him. And then I guess I'd love to hear what Adam thinks about Grapp. Well, I'll go first. I am yeah. very down on Grapp as a prospect. I mean, he had a, if you, if you just look at the statistics, he he had a good year mm-hmm. this year. Um, first of all, I should be very clear. I'm a big believer in you can't blame a player for things that are out of their control. And one of the main reasons why I'm so upset with Grop is because the Rangers left a lot of very, very good, rapidly falling prospects on the board to take him. So when you look at Grop, he went from 58 points in his draft year to 70 points the next year. And then this year he had 84 points in 66 games. Actually played basically 66 games in all of those. And then he had 19 points Mm -hmm. in 16 playoff games. Great. What this does not show you is two things. The first thing, when Gropp was removed from the New York Rangers training camp over the summer and he was sent to the AHL training camp, he lasted a day. One day. And they were like, okay, you you can't be here anymore. You have to go to the WHL. Mm -hmm. And then – until Matt Barzell, who is the Islanders prospect, who is a superstar in the WHL, came down and returned to Seattle, Grop did nothing. I don't, and Adam, you may know more than me. I don't know the specifics. I feel like he, he definitely was not a point-per-game player. He might have been like a .5 point-per-game player. I, I, uh, see if I can pull it up, but I, I wrote about it in my rankings. But um, through the first half of the season um, – you know, I compared to Ryan Holig, and Ryan Holig had better numbers. Um, Oof. Yeah, that's better, not good. Better numbers than Grop, than Grop did in the first half of, of the season at the, at the same age. Um, you know, so it, it, it wasn't – it was definitely not encouraging at all. You expect to see big jumps from these guys. You expect to see them make these um, adjustments because Grop was taken – he was basically – I don't want to say projected, but he was sold to the fan base by the Rangers as like another Rick Nash. He has an NHL ready shot, which I don't think anybody is taking away from him. He's a good skater. He's fast and he can do a lot of great things. Wonderful. In his draft year, 
one of the things that the Rangers loved about him was the fact that despite playing with Barzil, his point per game metric went up when Barzil missed like half the season, I think, with an injury. So you look at those things and you think, okay, wow, this is a guy who can create his own offense. He can do whatever, whatever, whatever. And now Hmm. you see him immediately get kicked out of camp at the AHL level, which is not a good sign. Go back. And also there's a third thing I forgot about. He was like, as much as Philip Heitel, I think that's how I'm going with that, Mike, by the way, Heitel. Um, (laughs) No, we, we all did like, we did the Heitel and, Tritel and whatever, but then apparently yeah. Elite Prospects tells you how to say people's names, and it's like this really I weird... I still think it's Don, it's Don Cheadle. That's what we're sticking with. Yeah, we're uh, sticking with Don Cheadle. Like right. I'm, I'm going to listen to it right now and see what it says so that I can try to get it, but um, Heitel, that's what it says. Philip Heitel. Um, you know what? We call him War Machine. That's what we do. War, war Machine. Where Heitel was... Don Cheadle played War Machine. I think he was 10 days or 7 days away from being eligible for the next draft class and thus was the youngest, one of the youngest players yep. in the draft that the Rangers took this year. Gropp mm-hmm. was one day away from being in another draft class and was literally the oldest player in the draft yep. when the Rangers selected him. Mm-hmm. So that last year where he did not impress at all was essentially an overage year for him in the WHL. You would expect him to absolutely blow the doors off the league. And even yep. more so when Barzil came back and they could just dominate everybody. And that is not what yeah. happened. And Adam, I don't know if uh, mm-hmm. you sound like you're agreeing with me, which makes me feel like I'm saying something smart, but by all means jump in. No, that's, that's pretty much what happened. Uh, I mean, he definitely, picked up the goal scoring once Barzo returned, uh, and it was it was really good numbers. But, um, it, you know, I, I, I always look back and I talk to another scout about this. You know, Evgeny Grachev, um, you know, oh, once God. was a top prospect uh, for the Rangers. He played in the OHL. He put up dominant numbers. and But he played on a line with... Um, Matty Duchesne and... Uh... Who, and yeah, Hodgson, Cody yeah. Hodgson that and Matthew, what a line Matthew that Shane. Was. Now, like Hodgson, Hodgson's career in the NHL didn't exactly work out for various reasons, maybe injury, but there was a time where he was the best prospect in in, in Canadian junior hockey. Um, and then obviously Matt Duchesne was taken third overall, uh, I think, by the Avalanche. So, you know, kind of there was a fool's gold sort of situation where it's just like this is a physical specimen. This guy's big. He's you know stronger than everyone else, and he's playing with two you know, elite players. Um, and then once he kind of got to that next level, it just it didn't add up for him. The physical tools didn't, weren't matched by a mental understanding of, of the game. And that's kind of my concern um, with, with Grop is that this is a guy who he has a really good shot. He skates pretty well, but he can't really think the game. Um, he needs that guy to set him up, which isn't the end of the world at the NHL level. Like, I think of a guy like, um, you know, Mike Knubel, who, you know, kind of always overachieved. Like, right, yeah. yeah, right. But, like, this is a guy, like, he played with, you know, like Joe Thornton or, like, uh, Claude Giroux, and he would score 20, 25 goals, you know. And, like, was he a product of the player, of the, his center? You know, largely yes, but, like, Look, he was put on a line to to grind and to score twenty twenty five goals, and that's what he did. You know, if that's what Grop becomes, if he needs the Kevin Hayes um, centering him to set him up with you know sick passes that he finishes, like you know, fine, that's what it is. But 
I don't know if it's going to even get to that level. I don't, I, you know, I, I spoke to one scout in Western Canada um, who thinks Graf is going to top out as an, a, as an uh, AHLer. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see on that. But uh, I think it's very concerning with it, you know, to say, like, look, like, he needed, he needed, uh, you know, a, a you know, arguably the best center in, in junior hockey uh, on, on his line in order to put up the production you'd expect of him. Um, you know, so, like, what's going to happen in the AHL where everyone is stronger and faster and, and whatever else? You know, is he going to be able to think the mental side of the game to, to continue to produce? You know, we'll, we'll find out. Yeah, I'm just not uh, – it, it was a bad pick from the beginning. And, he, and Mike and I have talked about this before. I have a rule. If the – first sentence of a scouting report involves the player's size or how much heart they yeah. have. No, no. You avoid those players yeah. like the plague. If you can't find anything yeah. better, like the first sentence is the first impression on a prospect for most people. Most people are not Adam. He watches thousands of hours of prospect stuff so he can do what he wants. But for people like me or Mike or whoever else out there who just kind of do what I would call like, hobby viewing of prospects to gain information. The very first thing that you get is a prospect file or you try to come up with information about the guy. And if the very first selling point is, Oh, he's big. That's a problem. It's a, it's, it's exactly why the Rangers drafted McElrath. It's exactly why the Rangers drafted Grop. And ironically enough, both of those players have um, exploded in the Rangers face. Now, Adam, I'm going to ask you, so, first of all, yep. Heitzel, I think, played his first game today in, in Czech. I don't know if yep. it's a regular season game or not, but he scored a goal. So, one goal for his first game. Mm-hmm. Played on the first line in our uh, Czech Republic correspondent, Michael. Oh, God, I'm going to butcher his last name, but he, there's no way he listens to the podcast. So, Sedlakik um, informed me that he's going to do some – well, he's going to do some write-ups on the banter for Treitel specifically, but uh, said he played really well, and he played on the first line, and and obviously he scored the goal. So for me, Heitel has become the most exciting prospect the Rangers have. Maybe not – I think Anderson is, without a doubt, the safest prospect the Rangers have at this point in terms of making the NHL, but I don't think anybody has a ceiling in the Rangers group as high as he does in – my question for you is going to be which prospect are you most excited about, not necessarily like to make an impact on the Rangers, but most excited right. about in terms of ceiling. Yeah. Yeah. Let me just go back to Grop really quickly to just drop one final thought on that. And I would say one final bomb. if this was a player, the, if the Rangers had drafted Ryan Grop in the fifth rounds, we'd all be saying like, Ooh, like, you know, this is, you know, maybe a dark horse prospect. Like this is someone who could surprise, and, you know, it's an interesting pick and, you know, that could be a steal. You know, it's all, it's all about context with, you know, with players. And the disappointment is not, you know, the disappointment about him as a prospect is the fact that the Rangers, you know, traded up to get him and they moved Carl Hagelin to get the pick. And there were other players on the board that are really looking good now. But, you know, he's not finished as a prospect by any means. Um, but definitely hasn't worked out the way the Rangers want to. Um, as for the most ex- Exciting prospect. Yeah, I think I think that's an interesting discussion to have because I think we would all agree that you know Kevin Hayes is more exciting to watch than Derek Stepan is, despite the fact that Stepan is the better player. You know, I mean, I don't mm. want to speak for everyone, but that's exa- I would imagine so. Like Kevin Hayes is flashier and makes more exciting plays. You know, so I like I, I ranked Elias Anderson as the top prospect, but I don't think by any means is he 
you know, kind of the most exciting, um, you know, to watch maybe. Um, if you were to build highlight reels, like you wouldn't have the most exciting one. Um, I'm, I'm really excited for Anthony D'Angelo in that respect. Uh, this is a guy who, you know, I'm not comparing ability, but I'm comparing style, and his style is very similar to prime Mike Green with the Capitals, where he just would fly up the ice and become the fourth forward and, and get involved in plays that defensemen weren't supposed to get involved in, really. Um, you know, and obviously there's the negative aspect of that, which is, okay, well, like, what about the defense? And that's a definitely um, a massive work in progress. But um, if if he does work out, um, I think this will be the most exciting defenseman the Rangers have had since Brian Leach. Um, wow. Because he really – he really does have that just ability to really skate and carry the puck up the ice and has a big shot and moves the puck quickly and makes exciting plays. Um, so, you know, that's a guy that if he works out, you know, I think that's a guy who can be the kind of game changer the Rangers need. Um, I, yeah. So I, I would say definitely him. Um, I really like, um, Morgan Barron, who is the Rangers' sixth-round pick, well, one of their sixth-round picks this year. Um, and, again, like, he's a massive project. Um, he's a big body, and, you know, he's kind of an awkward skater. Um, but this is a guy who just, you know, bullies players. Um, like, he shields the puck really well, has a strong shot. When he has straight-line speed going, he skates really well. Um and so, you know, again, like he was a six-round pick for a reason. There's a lot of issues with his game that needs to be worked out. But, you know, this is a guy that he's going to be in college at Cornell for four years. And, you know, is it possible that at the end of that, he comes out the other side of that as just kind of the unicorn, you know, just a big center who can, you know, make big plays? Like, I, I think, you know, not betting on it, but it's, it's possible. And I think that's why the Rangers took him. Um, so... He's another guy that I think is going to be interesting to watch and see can he become that kind of player. Well, I guess to, yeah, but, to build on ahead, to build on the yeah to build on the the point you raised about D'Angelo, I think you know we also talked earlier in the podcast in regards to Yager. You know, the, there's still this idea. And I think it's kind of a unanimous idea among a lot of Rangers fans now that. Uh, Nick Holden is going to be, you know, he's not going to be fired into the sun. Yeah, it's. I wouldn't be surprised either way at this point, to be frank. But I trust in Gorton enough that he'll get something for him, and that definitely makes that question of, you know, I mean, what is it, Adam? A three or four horse race for that for that spot for. Between yep. Bear Glazov and Pionk and Day and D'Angelo. I mean, it's in a yep. game of musical chairs, there's definitely, and there's so many, what makes it so interesting is, is interesting is all the factors involved the Bear Glazov's exit clause for the KHL. Yep. Uh, you know, the, what the Rangers gave up to get D'Angelo that clearly carries weight. Um, I was wondering mm-hmm. who you guys feel will be there. Cause I think it's D'Angelo is a given. I think it's just, it's his job to lose even, yep. even with what Adam said about him being so much of a project, but you know, he's, 
he checks off a lot of the right boxes, including being a right-handed shot. Uh, but I don't know what to think of the other guys. He also, just for the record, checks off a lot of the right boxes for the wrong reasons, if that makes sense. You never want to yeah. force a player into a role because of how he was acquired, but I would be absolutely dumbfounded if D'Angelo started the year in the AHL. Uh, like Adam said, it's, it's, his, it's his position to lose, but part of that is because of the amount of skill he has. Part of that is because the Rangers traded Derek Stepan, and he's the only return that they have that could possibly mm-hmm. um, jump onto the ice right now. Yeah. So he – and I was actually surprised, Adam, that, that not necessarily you're glowing – review of him because D'Angelo was so off ice issues aside when D'Angelo was traded to Arizona Scott Wheeler who we've talked about here before he used to run the uh, Maple Leafs website for SB Nation he's another prospect connoisseur referred to D'Angelo as the best puck moving prospect on the planet and you don't get guys like that easily so hopefully the off the ice stuff kind of works its way out of his system. He's 22 years old and, and he's been traded twice. So that should tell him something. He should realize that this is maybe his final chance. And hopefully that does what it needs to do to get him in the right area. But outside of him, Sean day is a player that Adam has talked about having. Not, and again, these are not direct comparisons, but Victor Hedman, like ceiling, a guy who can move the puck, score yep. points, do what he has mm-hmm. to do. And he was a guy I wasn't really thinking of in terms of, I think the Rangers have three, three players in Heitel, D'Angelo, and Day who could legitimately become explosive, game-breaking talent. Now, yeah. <laughs> that's not, excuse me, necessarily to say that they will. These guys are lottery tickets. You're, just, you're scratching a lottery ticket. You, the yeah. more lottery tickets yeah. you have, the more of a chance you're going to have to hit a jackpot. But those are three guys who I think – really have an opportunity to even change the, the way that this franchise is, is going. Guys who can grab the steering wheel and kind of move the rudder in a different direction. Now, with all that being said, Lias Anderson is the most polished prospect the Rangers have in their system. And he's, I'm, he really is going to make a push to be in the NHL this year. And right now, he's at the top of the Rangers prospect list from Adam. That's not a mistake. It, it's just his ceiling is a top six player, but he's far more likely to become an NHL player, whereas maybe D'Angelo doesn't really fit in that mold because he's already played in the NHL, but with Heitel and um, Day, there are obviously much bigger risks to actually getting to the NHL. But if they do, and if they hit their ceiling and all the cylinders are firing, they have much better outcomes. Um, There's a lot more to be excited about these days than there were, not to say that Buchnevich wasn't worth being exciting about, but him and Shea were all the Rangers had. And yeah, now there are really more it. players who are out there who can make a difference and, and can really kind of help the Rangers farm move in the right direction. Um, and, and I think the, the most exciting part about all of this, Shea, Miller, Hayes, um, Buchnevich, to a lesser extent, VC, are not considered prospects because they're in the NHL, but these guys are 23 years old or younger. Miller may be 24. Yep. I, I actually don't know, but yeah, it's not like the Rangers are an old. Yeah. They're not an old team. These guys just yeah. aren't prospects anymore because they've graduated to the NHL level. So to have that offset what's becoming a much more dense farm system, you have to give the Rangers a lot of credit because they did not have a lot of, of help to get to this point in the first place. So um, I, I rambled so long that I don't even remember why I jumped in. 
uh, or what we were talking about. I was talking so, about the kid playing D. Oh, yeah. Well, whatever. And you ruined but, it. Adam, I'm going to ask you another question. Do you think Anderson makes the NHL this year? Uh, I, I think uh, to find make and, the NHL, I think the Rangers are going to give him the nine-game trial. There and how that works for anyone who doesn't know, they did this with Anthony Duclair a few years ago. Is that you can play a guy, um, I believe it's up to nine NHL games before their contract counts. Um, and what that means is if let's say Elias Anderson plays three games with the Rangers and they send him back to Sweden afterwards, the first year of his entry level contract does not count. So he would again, he would. So an entry-level contract is three years. He would, going into next year, still be signed for three years. Once he plays that 10th game, the first year the contract counts, no matter what. So uh, he would officially have uh, only two more years on his contract afterwards. So I think the Rangers are going to um, – I think they will say, let's, let's take a look at him. I think he's in the opening night roster, uh, opening night lineup even. Um, and I, I think they'll say, let's, let's use – you know, nine games to, to evaluate him and see if he's ready. Um, and if, if he's not, I, I know maybe, yeah. I know the nine game rule affects junior players and there's some type of a loophole because I, I feel like, um, oh my God, uh, Drew Ann played more than nine games. His Like he played 20 games or something. Yeah, you might be right, actually. I don't know what, might. but there nine games is the norm. But there's there's some type of a loophole that allows it to be more than that. But just to further clarify, well, what Adam you can saying, you can play um, you can play more than nine games. Um, it's just no, that but to the have contract the contract slide too. Oh, really? Yeah, Druan played like twenty one games and his contract slid. I don't, but I don't remember why. There are a couple of players who did that. Sprong might might have done that for Pittsburgh. Most recently, I, I'm going to have to look it up and see. But what Adam's talking about, just to clarify, every single player who gets drafted has to sign an entry-level contract. You don't have a choice. It's a three-year deal, and like the, the dollar figures are maxed out based on, you know, I guess where you're picked and, and whatnot. And there's no – it's not like Buchnevich can sign his ECL and make $3 million a year. I think right now it's $925 million – or $925,000. So – the entry-level contract can slide, whereas, like, the Rangers signed Anderson and Heitel. If neither of them play in the NHL this year, if they're under the threshold that they have to be on, that contract just moves over to the next year. So the Rangers still have three years of um, player or team control of the player. Now, Adam's not wrong. There is a nine-game rule for juniors, but there is some type of, of a loophole that, we should probably know about, but we don't. So too goddamn bad. Um, but I, I would, I agree with you, Adam. I think I did not think the Rangers were going to move forward with Anderson, even as a viable option, but being it's August 10th and Desjardins is currently the only guy who could possibly play a bottom six center role without any type of inconveniencing. And I mean, moving Miller to center or potentially bringing up a guy like Bunieves who. I think we can all agree is not ready at all. You're this is they're giving Anderson this opportunity. Uh, they really are, and I don't know if he's going to take it. I don't know if it's even a smart thing for him to take. Uh, if he could 
you could guarantee him a third line center role where AV's not jerking him up and down and taking away line mates and moving him to the fourth line and sitting him in the press box and playing him five minutes a night. I think a third line role would fit him pretty well. He can kind of learn the defensive side of things on the NHL game. We talked last week, Adam, but a lot of his goals come around the net. He's a dirty goal scorer yep. for the most part. So him not having space that you get on a European ice is not going to be as detrimental yep. when he moves his game to the NHL. But that also helps mm-hmm. on the defensive side too because there's less space for other guys to work with. So if you can right. guarantee yep. that out of him, I think he's going to be – I think next year would be a really good development year for him. The problem is that when given those opportunities, Vigneault always makes the wrong decisions. And yep. I don't know if I necessarily trust putting the, the Rangers' current top prospect in that, in that situation. So, Mike, you haven't spoken right. in a while. Yep. What are your thoughts on all this? Unless Adam wants to say things that are smart. No, say things, Adam. No, I, I mean, look, yeah, like I said, if, if he spends a month in the NHL, you know, six weeks, even two months, and they decide, all right, like this was too soon, is that going to ruin him? No, I, I don't think so. I think, you know, at worst, it would be a good learning experience and, you know, whatever else, he'd be familiar with the team and, and be more prepared next season when I think he would almost certainly make the team. Um, but, you know, teams have come into trouble in the past, you know, like the Sabres did with Mikhail Grigorenko. They kind of did the same, uh, you know, thing with him where they, you know, they were worried about the nine-game limit, and they ended up, you know, playing him. I don't know the exact numbers, but they played him like eight games in the first, like, two and a half, three months. And, you know, at that point, yeah, like, that's a problem. He needs to be playing games. Um, so so I think that is a bit of a concern, but I, I think the Rangers are hyper-aware of it. Um, and, and so I think they're going to be very careful. They're going to look at him in training camp. They're going to look at him in preseason. And I think he will get the nine games, um, to, to, to just get a look at him because they, they've, they've done that with worse players, with bigger projects, with less upside, you know, like remember Ryan Malone, they effectively did the same kind of thing. The consequences and what was at stake wasn't the same, but like this was a guy that they had no idea what, what he was going to look like after being out of the league for a year and, and age, being aging or whatever else. And they said like, all right, well, let's give him a, a month or two first. So I, I don't think, I think they're going to look at it and say, yeah, like unless they make a move um, in the next month or so, or unless Evans really just kind of really wins the spot in training camp in preseason, I think they're going to say, yeah, like, Let's let's just take a chance here and see what he looks like for a month or so, um, and then and then you know move him to Sweden afterwards if he's not ready or you know that's his spot and if if, if he is ready. Peter so Nedved. Oh Nedved. I don't know. We've been just saying a lot of obscure Rangers. Like Ryan Malone was not a guy that I expected to get mentioned either. So I just wanted to add my own mm-hmm. and my selection was Peter Nedved. Oh, Go ahead, Mike. You have a real point. Bringing up something useful with the ELC, or as you were calling it, the ECL. It's not the way that this podcast works. Sounds like something you could spring in your knee. Um, I I also think it'll be Anderson there, but I'm also pretty sure we're going to see the training camp invites. And I would really be shocked if Winnick doesn't get something from someone. And if he's still available, the Rangers would be stupid to not to not at least invite him to yep. camp. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, last last season I know we saw, what was it, there is, I mean, Gerby signed, but he 
his contract was voided when he he went overseas. But Lapierre was there in training camp. Um, I, th- I feel like there was one or two more, but I can't remember. But even with all of that forward depth, the Rangers still, you know, you know, opened the doors up to guys who could compete for spots. And I think because of this battle and this situation, uh, I, I'm sure that the answer that will feel good is to give it to Nieves or Anderson or both of them. But you have to imagine we're going to see a pretty intense battle at camp and that yep. the organization really is going to want to have these kids have to measure up to some veterans or some guys who, you know, they've been the league. They know, they know how to make it a roster. They know what it takes. And that's going to be tough for, you know, an 18 year old kid. And it's also going to be tough for a guy like Nieves. But, uh, I, I think that battle, it's really, I think that there's three big questions for every Rangers fan is the, you know, I think the least important of which is, Oh God, why was it Pavlik, uh, replacing Ranta? And then there's the real questions, which I think are so interesting, which is the center depth question and specifically what's going to go on in that bottom six. And then what happens with that third defensive pair? And we already kind of have a a really good idea of all the suitors and competitors for that defensive spot, but, or that third pair, I should say, but I still think there might be, you know, an unforeseen factor or two. Uh, for this forward group, even this late in free agency. I I just can't imagine that the Rangers, you know, and Gorton and Vino with all their contacts and, you know, we saw it with, you know, Vino being familiar with Lapierre of all people, but I would have to imagine they're going to look to a guy who can mm. come in and at least add some heat in that training camp, you know, to sure. put some pressure on these kids to really earn this and not just be handed this. Aaron Voros. No. Wow. Aaron Voros. And the that reason I thought of yep. him was because he came back. I was going to say that Mike was talking about PTOs. Glenn Sather was the king yep. of, come talk to me about you wanting to play in the NHL again. And I remember in 2011, Voros begging Glenn Sather to give him a PTO, and they did in the, with the Connecticut Whale at the time. And he, uh, yeah, he flamed out. Do you remember the season with Rennie where he had like eight goals the first eight games, and everybody thought that he was going to be like the next yeah, great thing? Was, and then, yeah, those were good great. times. Actually, those weren't good times. They were yeah, dark, nice. dark times. Um, yeah, yeah. I think you know, and and the thing I keep trying to impress upon people is that the Rangers don't need to have all the answers um, on opening night. Um, if they did, that would be great. But, you know, if we've learned one thing the last few years is that this is a, a marathon, not a sprint. Um, I don't think this is a team that, you know, unless Lundqvist really falls on his face or something else, like I don't think this is a team that's worrying about making the playoffs. Um, I think, you know, I think if, you know, let's say, you know, Anderson doesn't work out and Yevis doesn't work out and, and whatever else, like I think at worst, you know, they can tread water until, you know, something opens up either in the winter, maybe on the waiver wire, you know, guys are always dropping there or, you know, the, uh, the trading deadline. Um, and, and look, you know, last year was kind of a tough trading deadline year for a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons was that 
this this past summer's draft was so weak that teams weren't you know they kind of figured like look like we might as well go for it because this there's nothing worth you know tanking for right now this year there there are guys who could be taken 10th overall who would have been the top overall pick this year there's just that much ab- talent it's absolutely loaded this draft um so there are going to be teams that drop out quickly they're going to decide like all right like let's cut our losses like let's get a top draft pick so we can get one of these franchise players um and what that means is there's going to be there are going to be teams that are looking to offload talent at the the trade deadline or sooner so i think you know whether it's on defense or whether it's a center i think um they're gonna have options if uh presented to them later later in the season um so i i think as long as as long as the rangers have their roster figured out by march 1st let's say I think that's the kind of the date where you're saying, all right, that's where we need to, you know, have it, have everything together. But before then, I don't, I don't think there's a problem with the Rangers kind of experimenting with things and, and trying new players and then whatever else and kind of just seeing how this, how, you know, everything kind of uh, plays out. The Rangers are in a much better place today than, than they were, I don't know, a month ago in a lot of ways, not just getting Shattenkirk and, having Zibanejad locked up and, and just kind of going through the whole, um, you know, just going through the whole what's going on on the NHL level, but also some of the things that they did in the prospect, uh, the prospect side of things. And it, it really is important because eventually some of these players need to graduate to the AHL level and the Rangers AHL affiliate has been absolute crap for a really long time. And, and there are we've we've talked about it at length, but there are consequences to, to a situation like that that are almost unseen, but they exist. So, I think the Rangers going in this direction is good. I have a funny feeling they're going to try to hoard some draft picks this coming year. Holwig needs to be traded at some point. We don't know what's going on with Mark Stahl. Um, Holwig. Holwig. Uh, God, I'm just thinking of. <laughs> we've talked so many. We have talked so many obscure Rangers. Uh, we got to trade Jed Ortmeier this year, guys. It's time. Jed Ortmeier. I, I was thinking in my head of who the most obscure Ranger of, like, recent memory I could name, and I think Voros may actually win. I don't know if I could think of another, like, from from the post-lockout 2000. Patrick Rissmiller. Uh, oh, I don't think he ever the... actually played a game with the team. Really? There you go, Mike. Um, there it is. Really great because they signed him. They signed him to a three-year deal, and then they're and then like, "Oh, that. wait, he sucks." Yeah, he know, oh, he played two games with the Rangers. Oh, he played two games, folks. Look at Mike. Mike just Mike thinks he knows everything, good. doesn't he? A little bit of an idiot. Thinks he's better than the rest of us. I'm better than some of you. You're not. You're not. You're absolutely Only not. Only really Joe, though. But you son of a bitch. The Rangers really uh, signed Rissmiller for two years, Adam? Yeah, I, I think so. Oh, that's, it was at least two years. That hurts, that hurts my brain. Christian Backman? Ooh. Yeah, three years. Three-year deal. I think that's a good one. I like um, that one, Joe. Yeah, Christian Backman. Do you remember him? He was just, oh, God. Yeah, he sucked. Oh, God. <laughs> oh. oh, my God. 
Oh, now I'm this looking. is a fun now, thing I can mention really quick is, you know, former New York Rangers defenseman and Islanders defenseman Thomas Polk, the Austrian defenseman. Uh, he's the new coach of the uh, uh, the Boston Pride in the NWHL. Mm, yeah. Interesting. Which means with Chad that's Wiseman, true. there are two former Rangers coaching uh, professional women's hockey. Alexander Daigle played for the Rangers? Really? Daigle. I didn't know that. Alexander Daigle, yeah. Not Daigle, Joe. What's what, Daigle? Where were you raised? Uh, that's a good question. That was the worst attempt at pronouncing a French name I think I've ever heard. Are you ready for this, Adam? Hold on, Joe. I'm, I'm, yeah. Number 91 on the Dallas Stars. What's his name? Brad Richards. Yeah, Brad Richards. No, you know who. the He used to I be in Boston. It's Oh, Tyler Seguin? S-E-G-U-I-N. How do you say it? Yeah, say that name again. Oh, Seguin. Yeah, he, Joe can't say it to like save his penguin. life. Yeah, he says I it like say Penguin. And it, it's, so, it's so adorable to me. Tyler Sanguing? Sanguingling? This is who I am. This is what I am. I'm I here. Get, get used to it. Now, now I'm using the Elite Prospect tool of, like, it says players' names. Yeah. Sagan. Oh, that's him saying it. Wow. That's interesting. God, the Bruins <laughs> traded him? My God. That's another Bruins holy crap moment. Dougie Hamilton, Blake Wheeler, Sagan. Kessel. Kessel. I mean, the Bruins. Oof. They, I mean, when they you, are no bueno with the tradeos. When you think of the best guys who the Rangers have let walk, I mean, I mean, in terms of guys who that you know that were actually hometown guys, not guys like you know the Yandels of the world, but you know who is at the top of the list other than Talbot? I mean, Talbot is obviously is what Dubinsky, he is. But, yeah, Doobie, Artie, but those are not like. I mean, like you can go way players. back and say Mark Savard, but yeah, you could. What are we talking about? I spaced out for a minute, and now I'm very confused. No, like the, the best former Rangers who are in the league, because, you know, we, we mentioned all the guys that Boston has has watched walk, and, you know, we talked so much about prospects. I thought it was interesting to think of there really – there hasn't been guys who kind of got away from the Rangers, you know? And I'm sure that's both a good and a bad thing. But uh, it's definitely interesting. I think it's probably mm. after Talbot, and he was – and, you know, an undrafted free agent signing. It's probably Artie or Doobie, but I would probably take Artie. Mm. Yep. Mm. Yeah, no, I wouldn't take Doobie at his current contract. So, no, no. <laughs> I wouldn't. Old. I don't love Art. You need some of. I mean, there's Haglin too. I, I guess we forgot him, but but Haglin, I don't know. I don't know if I would put Haglin in. In well, I guess I would have to put him in that category. No, and that's not a knock on Haglin, but Haglin is very much a system player. Like he didn't work in yep. Anaheim really at all, but Pittsburgh, because you could probably put a jar of mayonnaise with Sidney Crosby and have it score 20 goals a year. Um, there's just a lot of, of benefits with, with that type of, uh, that type of a one, two punch down the middle. But yeah, I, I see your point. And then inevitably when Lundqvist gets traded and wins the Stanley cup, uh, we'll, we'll be able to add him to the list too. So why would you say that? You know, you because you've already ruined the podcast. 
That's not true. It is absolutely true. You've ruined the podcast. The podcast is totally ruined. See? No one's even speaking because that's how much the podcast is ruined. You remember Adam, Yvonne thank you, Baranka? Thank you for joining us. What? Who? What? I said, do you guys remember Yvonne Baranka? Yes. I don't. I have his autograph. Do not ask me why. Wow. Fedor Fedorov? Ooh, mm. I remember Fedor Fedorov because I got excited uh, about it. All right, him I think I, I think I just won the stupidest Ranger. Ranger. <laughs> That's pretty I really good. Do. I like that, that one, is, Joe. That I don't think I can really, stop that one. That is a That's really a good ball. one. Fedor, Fedor, <laughs> Three games with the Rangers. Fedor Fedorov. What an amazing name! Why I don't and and not I don't say this to be rude, but my God. Did the apple far in terms of hockey skill on that one? I have yeah, no idea how his brother can be one of the greatest players to, to to play, and he's like a washout, not even close. Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of like how Connor is amazing and like kind of sucks. I don't know, something like that. Oh, whoa! That was a great. That was. I was not expecting that. I didn't even know you knew Connor existed as a human. But there you go. <laughs> Connor is, well, today uh, is Connor's today is Connor's birthday, so I'm gonna let it slide. Is it really his birthday? Uh, birthday. Yeah, his birthday today. Good. All right, I, I'm going out on a high note. I don't think anyone's beating Federer Federoff, so that is my. I'm actually there upset. Adam hurt my feelings, everyone. Adam Adam hurt Mike, guys. Mm. Adam you hurt, hurt me bad. Mm. I want Federer Federoff. Tired of this shit. He played in how many NHL games? 18 of them, three of them with the Rangers. What a glorious three games. All right. Mm -hmm. Um, Thank you, Adam, for joining us. You hurt Mike. You will be punished somehow. Um, I'm hurt really bad. If anyone is still listening right now, I don't know what they are doing, but they should. No, they're not. You can't. After the first forty-five minutes, it goes to what we refer to as the time. No, but I mean, mean like in theory, like to a hypothetical person that is listening to the podcast the next day or whenever else, and like oh yeah, people listen to this not closed out of the like have not has not like finished their commute or whatever and is still listening to this. Like I don't know why they would bother. I hope. Why why would you do this yourself? Whoever you are, I hope you're having a great day. Yeah, I hope you're having a great day too. Enjoy, enjoy your moment, whatever it is, because they love us, Adam. That's why, because we provide hard-hitting analysis about Feder Fedorov that you're not going to get on other Rangers podcasts. So that's exactly why. Um, anywho, Adam Z Herman, if you go to Twitter and you can find him on Blue Shirt Panther sporadically, although when he promises you he's going to write something like there's a gestational period of like five weeks before it actually gets produced. Let me, let me, world. let me tell so, you like in all, ser- in all seriousness, like I, this next year and it's partially just because I have the time and it's partially because the Rangers prospect pool is better and whatever else, but I, I'm already organizing my folders of video and whatever else like this year prospect coverage is going to be the best by far. It'll blow every other year out of the water. We got a lot of good, a lot of good stuff on the website this upcoming year. Um, there you go. So get excited for, for a reason, ladies and gentlemen, for this exact this exact moment. This so is Adam is not afraid to compliment himself and build himself up, but he needs to drag me down. He took Mike down. I just kind of uh, you know say say like kind of just like evaluate as things are. You know, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, Adam doesn't like I hot just, dogs. You're not making it any better. 
you don't actually not like hot dogs. I like I if I am hungry and like that is what is being offered, I will eat a hot dog and I will it, I, it will be fine. But you I will not heard ever actively I will never actively pursue a hot dog. You're, you're a goddamn option. communist, is what you are. That's ridiculous. That's that American. I would rather be I would rather be a communist than a hot dog. All right, you so. you've you've tainted you've now ruined the podcast. You've tainted it. I can't. I'm not doing this. Um, Mike is at Mike Murphy or no, it's not at Mike Murphy. Dig deep, BSP. Yeah. Mike Murphy is his name. Um, he's also the lead women's hockey writer at FanRake Sports, so you can support him over there as well. Uh, as we said before, Patreon.com/slash Blue Shirt Banter. You can go give us money, and then we use that money to add microphones and stuff so that we sound really sexy on the air. Um, thank you, everybody. Thank you, Adam, for coming on. Good night, New York, or wherever you're listening, maybe Sweden. Good night, everybody. Be good to yourself. Goodbye.